All my stocks are tanking today. I'm sorry. I'm losing money. You know what that means? Nope. We're heading towards a dystopian future. Oh, God damn it. And, <laughs> oh, God. You know, I watched this movie not too long ago about kind of a dystopian future. What was it? Pee-wee's Big Adventure? No. I mean, if you hmm. want to be. Huh? Yeah, I, no, no. Got something to say? Nope. Oh, I think I remember what it was. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something. No, that was, was totally waiting. that was totally your cue. Uh huh. Oh god, Josh fucked up. <laughs> Welcome to Letter Sectors Cat, everybody. Hold on. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what's going on? Okay, let's try that again with more enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, me or you? You. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> I caught you off guard. I'm sorry. <laughs> My, cha, 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 cha. my name's Joshua, and that's Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi. Well, huh? We hope everyone's doing great out there today. Yeah. Hope you guys are not beat- in Arizona or Oregon, where it's 116 degrees. Yeah. Hope you guys are beating the heat wherever and you are, or melting. If it's if you're in another country and it's winter. Hope you're beating the cold. Not all. Why? Why beat the cold? I don't know. Why beat the heat? Like, I feel like an old, like, rickety man just, like, going outside his house with his coffee and his, like, newspaper in his hand. He's like, oh, no. And he, like, throws his <laughs> shit down and he just starts beating snow. <laughs> That's all I got. I mean, mm. all right. I've never thought of it that way, but. Well, it's a stupid fucking thing. Well, a lot of things are stupid. Um, yep. You know, it's not stupid, though. Me. Mad Max Fury Road, the movie we're fucking talking Woo! about today. Mad Max Fury Road, right? No. Fury Road. I'm gonna fucking throw something uh, at you. I watched the wrong one. Did you? I did. <laughs> no, no. That's weird because I gave you my copy. <laughs> you have to go to special features. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. So let me just say that I was on my uh, on the edge of the seat like the entire fucking time. <laughs> I absolutely like really enjoyed this movie, and let me just say that I loved it so much. I got me some food, cooked me some food, came down here, and resumed wherever I was at. And before I knew it, I was just engaged into the television so much, <laughs> I hadn't even taken a bite of my food, and it was cold. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, I was right. I was just like, huh. <laughs> Probably because of Charlize Theron, because, man, she fine. Oh, yeah. I don't care if it's dystopian or not. She fine. She rocks the buzzed head. She does. I mean... And it's not just that. It's just her character in general. It's everyone's really. I just I don't know. It was so fucking fun to watch. It really was. It's it it's one of those movies that like because a lot of times when I'm watching movies like when I'm building something or like prop making or something, I like to put on movies that like I've seen so I don't have to pay a lot of attention. Yeah. Just to kind of have background noise. Mad Max Fury Road is one that a lot of times I'll pick just because one the soundtrack is fucking phenomenal. And it's just, I don't know, it's a good background noise kind of movie. But yeah, when your first time watching it, it's just, 
fucking captivating. So background or not, you should know a lot of fucking stuff about this movie. Oh, yeah. Because you've seen it a lot. Oh, yeah. Now, can you guess what my job would be in the dystopian world? Your job? Yeah. Out of all those characters you saw, what would be Matt's job? The people eater? <sighs> no, I'd be the women <laughs> fucking breast milk, you know, breast fucking pumping. That's uh, what I would do. You're so stupid. <laughs> Sorry. No, I thought the guy playing the guitar was pretty cool. And he didn't give a fuck what was going on, especially when Max and those white-headed gentlemen that I don't know the fucking name of. Oh, the War Boys? War Boys, that's right. See? Yeah, see, I, I've only watched it once, so <laughs> you're going to have to forgive me throughout the rest of this episode. But yeah, the part where they're just literally just fighting over each other, and, and the guy with the guitar is just kind of like moving around, and he's kind of like, <laughs> get the hell out of here. I'm, I'm, You're fucking me up, all right? I got a show to play. <laughs> yeah. And he followed through. Mm-hmm. Give it to him, man. Oh, yeah. This fucking flamethrower guitar and just... Hell yeah. God. Don't know what the hell he was playing. Maybe it was Primus. I don't know. It was fucking weird. Dude, like, I don't know what it is, but, like, that soundtrack, like, like as I do with a lot of these uh, outlines, like, when I'm writing them and researching, I listen to the soundtrack while I'm doing it. And, man, the soundtrack's so fun. I actually I'll have I was to listen li- to it. I was listening to it on my way here. Like, it's just... Oh, getting in the mood. All around and, you know, speeding down the highway. Fucking... Want to run people off the road? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I get like an alert on my phone, be like, what the hell's going on? And it just shows some like 75 car pileup and there's some like little blue Hyundai just fucking demolished right in the beginning. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I watched, and it's funny because I'm thinking about that and you listening to the soundtrack on your way here. And I just saw a TikTok not too long ago of a woman that was like, so like, if you're in a car wreck, say you got your music blaring, like, what? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She goes, what is that like? Like, did they find you, like, just fucking dead in the front seat with, like, your music still going or whatever she said? And, yeah, she's lying dead in the front seat and WAP is just fucking <laughs> blaring. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, That's exactly how I imagine Josh to go. But, of course, <laughs> with the Mad Max Fury Road soundtrack. I'm, but, yeah, overall, I'm very happy that you enjoyed this film. I, I know, was surprised. Because I know I hyped it up quite a bit going into this. I mean, I thought I was going to find it enjoyable, but I really didn't think it'd be... Like, it was nonstop. I felt like the, pretty much like nonstop throughout the whole movie, um, it, it, keeping my interest. But it wasn't, like, overbearing at all. Yeah. Like, it, it did it in a pretty nice way. But, yeah, man, like I said, it was just... So fun to watch. I was really surprised. And George Miller, he really uh, achieved a film that tells a, a very large story with very minimal dialogue. Because, uh, like, there's yeah. not much, like, as far as, like, dialogue goes, as far as, like, compared to, like, other films, there's not a lot. You know, my favorite dialogue is after um, and Morton Joe got one of those bottles of milk and gave it to Rictus, and he went... Moo. <laughs> Moo. <laughs> I was like, that guy needs an award. Did you notice that uh, Rictus was, uh, oh, God, the fucking general guy from Mortal Kombat that Jax kills? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. totally. No. Oh, wow. Yep. That guy. I forget his name I all forget of a his fucking name, too. Because he was also a very forgetful character in the he games was. as well. <laughs> Why do I want to say like Thunderbolt or something? Nah, it's not Thunderbolt. What? I, I know it's not Thunderbolt, <laughs> but I feel like it's like, I don't know, General Cunt Thunder or something ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of it. But you know how tall that guy is? Nope. 6'11". Damn. I mean, it makes sense because he looks fucking huge. He does look huge. I thought, oh, maybe everyone else is like 3'4". Nope. 
Yeah, like there's just scary. Like there's so much going. Like there's so much in this film that like obviously like I I'll talk a bit about some of it later. But like they don't explain like everything right out like to you. It's like all these characters like they exist in a world, and that's kind of one of the things I love about it. Like I like I enjoy films that give you a ton of backstory, but at the same time, it kind of takes you out of it when they're like feeding you like here this is what this is and this is what this is. But yeah. like. You know, they really don't explain, like, the bullet farm or the fucking uh, gas town. I mean, you can kind of understand what it is, but the context is there. No, I, I think that was fine. And you never really, I mean, you did sort of get to see them, but you didn't really get to see, like, their, you know, their, the town or the farm. Right. So it was kind of, like, in the in the background of my mind, like, eh, whatever. You know, the fucking bullet farmer who looks at himself as, like, judge, jury, and executioner who's got, like, the... Uh, old British style like judge wigs, but it's made out of fucking bullets, and he's got bullets like replacing his teeth and shit. I'm like, God, it's so fucking cool. There was a lot of of those kind of dystopian features throughout the whole thing that was pretty fucking sweet. And that's the thing I love about like the Mad Max films that George Miller created. And like, God, George Miller's just one of my favorite filmmakers. Well, I shouldn't say one of my favorite filmmakers, but like I love what he does with like this series. Yeah. Well, I mean, the uh for the most part, I feel like the sets were pretty cheap since all it was was sand. Yeah, pretty... probably just went to some fucking desert to film it for all I know. Yeah. <laughs> for so the most to part. take all the money on cars and explosions, just like Fast and Furious. <sighs> <laughs> okay, so hold on. I I know I saw your post about space. From what I could read, they don't go into space but they get like to the edge of like earth's atmosphere and that's space. In, that's in space i don't care it's yeah but stupid. it's not like he's going through the fucking solar system it's fucking stupid <laughs> it doesn't make any sense <laughs> oh, i just man. i saw that and i was like no they just no no you know no. What's, it's and funny. there's somehow gonna be two more fucking films apparently <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, they're gonna colonize on mars fucking space in the final frontier How, wh where else are they gonna fucking go they're gonna do like some fucking time war fucking oh bullshit my next god vin diesel is going to raise a bunch of ac carburetors there his little children we've gone over that <laughs> god damn fuck um so what side oh. note though what made you see that like when would you go what the fuck is this really in space did i saw you, a meme i saw something on tiktok about it and i was like this can't be real i was like this is a joke and then i started googling it and then i saw the picture and i watched the clip and i was like are you fucking kidding me okay just curious because i saw the meme that was like you don't need logic when you have family basically <laughs> and he's with skywalker and i was like and i was like what in the hell and then Ten minutes later, you were like, "All right, seriously, hold the fuck up. What's going on? Is this really taking place in space?" And I was like, "Oh God!" Just straight up, Did I, I just go over that meme for no reason. Because straight up, I haven't watched uh, a Fast and Furious movie since like Tokyo Drift, so that was and like what, two thousand like five or some shit. Woo. But like, God damn, what the fuck is happening? I just I don't get it. <laughs> no one gets it, man. Also, before we dive into this, I also want to say an R.I.P. to River the dog. Since we're also talking about dystopians, um, River the Dog, who really brought to life uh, dog meat in Fallout 4. I'm going to let Matt have his moment. Just go. Just go. Forget about me. But uh, one of the developers, uh, I, from what I gather, I guess she belonged to one of the developers because they talked yeah. about how um she would actually be in on a lot of the meetings and stuff like that and was like a real part of the team which i thought was really cool yeah and they would go like on walks and 
I'm not sure. They pretty much the other developers or one of the other developers and noticed like she would tend to walk out in front of us and then like stop and turn around and look back at us. It's like, you know, oh, let's incorporate that little yeah, like action a, a into lot the game. Of, a lot of her mannerisms <sighs> pretty much brought dog meat to life. And I thought it was cool. And then I saw that and I was like, oh man, that's sad. But I did want to say an RIP because one, Fallout takes a lot of inspiration from the Mad Max universe. And I think I've talked about this on like the back cover of uh, Fallout 3 you see like the lone wanderer yeah and they're walking with dog meat and mm-hmm. so yeah yeah r.i.p river do you know how old she was or i didn't was... see anything about that okay okay yeah river you'll be in our hearts and, be like the dog i never had and i mean you know she's basically immortalized in a video game for the rest of time yeah now i just have to somehow find a way to keep playing fallout 4 just for that I always kept dog meat. Oh yeah, one of the best companions. Like I would run around with the humans occasionally just to do like their missions. They're not missions, fun. God, they're so bitchy and greedy. And I don't know. I like oh I like God. Piper and I like Nick, but the rest of them in Fallout Four just kind of annoyed yeah, me. And their voices on. Hey, we in here. Let's go in here. God, uh, and dog meat was just like. I was like, you know what? I Oof. can deal with that. <laughs> See, that's cute. Thank you. But what what's not cute is basically everybody in the cast and crew of Mad Max. I mean, that kind just of just about. I, I was gonna say that kind of contradicts, uh, like one of your things. I know. So I said just about. <laughs> so I said just about. Anyway, let's dive into one of personally my favorite films, Mad Max Fury Road. Ooh. In nineteen seventy nine, Australian film director George Miller released a dystopian high octane action film titled Mad Max, starring Mel Gibson in one of his first ever roles. This film was about a police officer turned vigilante who battles it out with a biker gang that eventually kills his wife and child. Two years later, Mad Max 2, or as it's known here in the States, The Road Warrior, would release. Set in a world after the collapse of civilization itself, this film would root Mad Max in the world of the post-apocalypse films that we think of today. So, you know, like the war-torn landscapes the nuclear the holocaust kind of thing yeah nuclear winter i had no idea that he created the first ones yeah george miller has done every mad max yeah i I didn't know that no wonder it's so goddamn good oh yeah absolutely and then uh after a few years after mad max 2 or the road warrior he released uh mad max uh with beyond thunderdome starring tina turner oh man i want to say i've seen that it's not the Best. It's, as far as like the original three go, it's definitely one of the weaker ones. But Tina Turner's character is fucking rad. We got uh, Master Blaster from that film with the with the fucking uh, who runs out of town. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and that's also where we got the uh, two men into one man leaves. Yep, yep, yep. You're right. Yeah. Um. So you haven't seen like the original Mad Max? I don't. <sighs> Was Mel Gibson in? Uh, Thunderdome at all? Yeah, like he was Mad Max in all three films. Oh, was he okay? It was one. Okay, because I remember Mel. I just can't remember what movie, but I do remember the Thunderdome. So I'm going to assume I've only seen three. But if I've if I have seen it, um, I was probably half asleep at two in the morning, like watching fucking sci-fi. I will say, like two and three feel like in the same kind of like landscape wise as uh, Fury Road. It was the first Mad Max. It was like before like the bombs dropped, but like. Civilization is pretty much collapsed, and um, it's set in like I think it was actually more so in New Zealand, 
Mm. But um, like you had houses and greenery and um, I mean, it's still a very action packed film. But Mad Max is or Max Rockatansky is facing off with uh, the biker gang and Toe Cutter is one of the main villains. And he is like the leader of the biker gang. And a uh, toe cutter is actually played by the same actor that plays uh, Immortan Joe. Yeah, that's one little thing I knew. Yeah, <laughs> but um, oh god, uh, it, one thing I do love just talking about Fallout too. So you know how in, like in Fallout Four, you could uh, give you character names mm-hmm. and like certain names. Uh, oh, Mister Hansy or what the fuck ever the robot name, yeah. your little robot butler. Like he would actually call you by that name if you use certain mm-hmm. names that were like in their. Uh, catalog that Bethesda put in if you typed in like Max Rockatansky he would say that and Furiosa was also one really yep well, that's cool as hell so for the, like almost every time I play Ma- or like play Fallout 4 like if I start a new game I just go with Max Rockatansky or Furiosa depending on which sex I decide to do oh yeah which I do I, I like playing as the female just because she's uh voiced by uh I forget her name but she voices Jack in the Mass Effect games. No, I don't. I think it's like Courtney Taylor or something like that. But yeah, just fun little facts again. Love them. Fallout. Little taking, factoids. Love them. Fallout taking a ton of inspiration from the Mad Max universe. So after the release of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, it would be 30 years until Mad Max Fury Road would drop draws, drop jaws across the world with its nonstop action and high exhilarating stunts. But it wasn't for the lack of trying. Fury Road would find itself in development hell for years. After the release of Beyond Thunderdome, George Miller didn't believe there was much left he could do with the Mad Max series and let it lie dormant until 1998 when he came up with the idea of a possible fourth installment while walking in an intersection in LA. Miller quoted, What if there was a Mad Max movie that was one long chase and the MacGuffin was human? And for those unfamiliar with the term, a MacGuffin is an event, object, device, etc. that motivates the characters and is necessary to the plot. Oh, that's, oh, wait, that sounds familiar. That term. Hmm, I don't know. Okay, okay. After a year later, Miller was flying back to his home country of Australia where he came up with the, with a more structured story. What if violent marauders were fighting not for oil or for material goods, but for human beings? He called his friend Doug Mitchell, who was a co-producer on Beyond Thunderdome, and told him about his idea. With an idea in mind and 20th Studio Fox backing them up, the film was set to film in 2001. That was until the terrorist attacks of September 11th in New York. According to yeah, Miller, that'll do it. Yeah. According to Miller, quote, The American dollar collapsed against the Australian dollar and our budget ballooned. It was then that the f- idea of the fourth film was shelved in Miller's other project had been pushed to the forefront by Warner Bros. <laughs> that project being the animated feature film about oh God, dancing penguins, Happy Feet, starring Fuck. Elijah Wood, Brittany Murphy, and Robin Williams. <laughs> oh my God, Brittany Murphy when she was alive. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking Happy just Feet. Just fucking think about that. Wow. That is opposite ends of the spectrum. And I like, love- that's as far as you can get i feel like opposite ends of the spectrum and i fucking love it it just kind of shows like what kind of creative mind he has god i think i went to the fucking theater and saw happy feet i, I did too i don't know who held me against my will but <laughs> I'm, they're gonna fucking pay for it one of these days when i find out <laughs> but yeah just like god just think about that like the man who made mad max Fury road which is non-stop action essentially and you know, people getting shot, blown up, and it's people's humans. 
face is getting ripped off. And then there's a movie about tap dancing penguins. Like I, I can see him there sitting at the table with like this little tiny light on and like a fucking cigarette about to go out. And he's just all pissed off that he's got to take his script here and put it off on the shelf. And then he reaches in like this big ass garbage pile and pulls out this little thing with this horribly drawn little fucking <laughs> penguin on it. <laughs> Happy feet. Oh, man. Oh, well, thank God, though, it came back. Yeah, very. The project was once again greenlit in 2003, with Gibson slotted to star again in the role, and it was set to begin filming in the, in the Australian deserts during May that same year with a budget of $100 million. Unfortunately, Ooh. their desert landscape had been ruined by heavy rainfall, causing them to have to move locations to the Nambian Desert in South Africa. They once again entered a hiatus due to a security concern following the Iraq war, causing travel to be tightened and shipping restrictions to be put into place. Oh. And with the number of vehicles and other materials they need to ship in order to film, it just wasn't a realistic goal. Oh my God, George W. Bush, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you fucking doing, man? Just sabotaging George Miller. Left That's and what right. he's trying to do. <laughs> trying to green light Mad Max. He's like, no, destroy them towers now. And he's like, no, start a war. <laughs> no. But that's kind of what he wants for Mad Max, don't you Don't you know? I mean, it, de- it definitely seemed like the world and the universe and just everything was against George Miller making this film. Yep. Literally, like, it seemed like the world was against him. So he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm making goddamn Happy Feet. <laughs> <laughs> two. Yeah. There was two films. <sighs> he also made Babe. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. <laughs> he made Babe? Yep. If anyone doesn't know what the hell that is, it's a pig. <laughs> yeah, you made But it. it's like live action. Like, it's a real pig. You made a movie about a pig. Oh, my God. Did you do Charlotte's Web, too? No. Wow, look at that. Woo-hoo, Matt's amazed. <laughs> While on hiatus, Miller's family-friendly penguin tap dancing extravaganza would release in 2006 and would be a box office success, making $384.3 million against a hundred million dollar budget. It was due to this success that Miller was able to convince the studio to back to filming a Fury Road once more. Oh, but sorry, the earth cracked in two. I don't know what to tell you, George. Unfortunately, once again, trouble was brewing for Miller. <laughs> Their leading man was now in his 50s and had several troublesome issues against him in Hollywood, to say the least. Oh. Miller and his producers decided to look elsewhere for a le- new leading man, leaving Mel Gibson in the proverbial dust. Ah, oh, damn. Well, he's fucking psychotic now anyway, so. Uh, well, yeah, I mean. Of course, that might have worked in George's favor. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you think about some of, the, like, some of the shit that Matt and that fucking mad Mel Gibson has done over the years between getting in fights with cops, <laughs> yeah. his anti-Semitism, uh, pretty sure he dropped some racist shit, too, so, like. I, yeah, I think so. I think so. Like, And, and that's just the shame. Because, like, I liked his films. And, like, I still like the original Mad Max films. Like, I try to separate the artist from the art as far as that goes. Yeah, I think that's good. But, like, goddamn. What what the the fuck? What the fuck, Mel? (sighs) Goddamn it. (laughs) It was then that Millie decided, instead of doing a direct sequel to his past Mad Max films, that Fury Road would be sort of a revisit to the series, a reboot, if you will. He wanted Max to remain at a younger age and be the same contemporary warrior as before. Okay. Before attempting another live-action film, Millie toyed around with the idea of taking much of the plot from Fury Road and turning it into an R-rated animated feature. This idea ultimately didn't happen, though. Damn, I totally would watch that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's some great, like, 
adult centered like uh animated films like i know there's been a couple for mortal Kombat that have been super fucking good and yeah god i think it could have been fucking rad oh my god of course in may of 2009 reports of location scouting were underway for the next mad max film <clears throat> and that it would enter production later that year Ooh. Millie decided to go back to making it a live-action film after realizing just how many vehicles they had already started building when they had first began production in the early 2000s. Overall, there were 150 vehicles constructed for the film, all unique in their own way. Fuck yeah, they are. Out of that 150, only 88 would survive the production. Those that didn't... Money well spent. Those that didn't were built for destruction, even some made specifically to be ripped in half. Yeah, you know when you go to like the county fair... And they got those shitty beat up cars that just drive around in circles and try and kill each other. Yeah. Now, if they looked like these cars, oh, God, I yeah. would watch the fuck. Oh, out fuck of yeah. Um, I was reading an interview with the uh, production, um, I think it was like the production designer or whatever, but he's the guy that designed all the cars. And he was talking about how, like, when they first entered production in like the early 2000s, he was in Australia, like, spending money, getting, like, starting to work on the cars and stuff. And he's like, I got a call said hey stop spending money i don't know if this is gonna happen i'm just like god could you imagine you're just looking at the lot of like these fucking cars that have tank treads and flamethrowers oh, yeah. and you're just like well hell, the one that morton joe had looked like a 58 chev or something like that i mean when his came down off that list dude it looked like beautiful oh like yeah. it was up there waxed every day <laughs> oh dude like like i was like the, oh hey the car, like the cars alone, are almost worth watching this film for. It. Um, there is an event out. I think it's California or California, Nevada. Like one of the like states out west. Uh, Wasteland Weekend. It's essentially a sounds like it should be on the salt flats. It, it's essentially a Mad Max style like Burning Man, essentially. Oh. Um, but like people, like people dress up like characters from mad max people bring their fucking own cars that they have done out like uh, the requirement movies. is to not shower for a whole month um like you uh i know people do sometimes like fallout get-ups and stuff like that but pretty much it's like an a post-apocalyptic burning man <laughs> and some of the pictures i've seen like some of the cars that people bring are so fucking rad they literally could have came out of this movie i want to go so fucking bad <laughs> do it man what's stopping you the money and travel <laughs> i hate flying money doesn't exist Ah, uh, yeah, tell that to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. In August of 2010, it was announced that Tom Hardy would take over the role as Max Rakotansky. There were rumors that Heath Ledger were, was considered for the role before his death in 2008. Jeremy Renner had an audition for the role alongside Hardy. Really? Hardy had stated that before filming, he went to lunch with Mel Gibson to discuss taking over the role, and Gibson gave him his blessing. That same month, it was announced that Charlize Theron was cast in the lead role as well, and she would play Imperator Furiosa. Miller always had Theron in mind for the film from the early stages of production, but another name that was tossed around before casting was Uma Thurman. Theron had has stated in previous interviews that she grew up on Mad Max films and was very excited to be part of the series. So apparently, mm. Mad Max it was like a like pretty big deal in uh, South Africa where she's from. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. And one thing I loved, I was uh, reading another interview with like uh, George Miller and a couple of the producers, and they were talking about how like when they first entered production, they had Charlize in mind from the beginning, but like they had apparently talked to her agent, and they her agent said that she wouldn't be interested, and she was uh, oh, fuck you who the hell? Speak well, for like, me. Well, as an agent, you kind of do, but 
apparently uh, Charlie's was just like, yeah, my, nobody told me anything about this. I'd be my own <laughs> agent. I need that shit. Yeah, I just thought it was funny that, you know, and like this isn't the first time that she's played like these more violent kind of roles because, I mean, she, uh, in Monster, she portrayed uh oh yeah that was her monster fuck god why can't i think of the serial killer's name um some woman truck drivers all i know i'm gonna look it up well i think i would prefer Charlize over uma even though i do think uma would probably kick a lot of ass i think i would prefer Charlize. eileen warners i don't know why that name escaped me i can because i still didn't catch what the fuck you just said eileen warners that's who she portrayed Monster. I don't know why that name, like, escaped me. Because as far as, like, serial killers go, she's, like, one of the crazy ones. <laughs> um, as far as the uh, male actors, you said Heath Ledger. Uh, Heath Ledger, Tom Hardy. Was there another one or no? Jeremy Renner. Yeah. I could see Jeremy. I can't see Heath, unfortunately. Maybe it's because he's dead. Probably not. But I, I don't know if I would prefer Jeremy or if I would prefer... uh. Um, Tom, I like them both. I don't know, but I do think Tom did a good job. Oh yeah, Tom, like, because this was like before he started doing a lot of action films too. So like, I mean, he's been in films like uh, he was in the Band of Brothers TV series that was like the World War II show uh, that Tom Hanks produced. Um, I heard of it, but like that was like it. that was like one of his first roles, and that show starred a lot of people in like their early early roles. Um, but yeah, like. Tom, I, I I think, like, now when I think Mad Max, I don't know, maybe it's just because I've watched Fury Road so many fucking times, but, like, when I think of Mad Max, I see Tom Hardy instead of Mel Gibson. Yeah, I mean, that's how I am right now. I and, never really did watch the originals that much, but... And, I mean, really, it's not like it's a very complex role. It's just mostly grunting. <laughs> yeah, the movie's not even about him very much. So should be Furiosa, Matt. Fury Road. So this is something that Furiosa Road talked about a lot. Um, other than the very first Mad Max film, every other movie is kind of like Indiana Jones in a way, where all the events still happen, but Mad Max is just in like Max is just yeah, whether actually he's there, there or not, it yeah. would still play out the way it did. But some, but you know, he's actually helping a little bit in some ways, even though sometimes people tend to die. But he tries, okay. Yeah, most of the time, most of the events would have happened regardless. But, you know, he did help a little bit. But yeah, this movie is definitely more of the Furiosa story mm -hmm. with just Matt, or just Max involved. That's fine. But I don't see a problem with it, really. No, no, no. Because I know some, um, ex well, especially to try to sell a movie, it makes more sense to, put an established name on it anyway because I, I know some people are like oh they should have just called it like fury road or something and i'm like it wouldn't have sold at all mm, yeah i i can agree with you there too and that's like just one of the big things like it's just all about marketing and putting people in the seats and i now because i know they're talking about doing a furious movie um down the line obviously now that will go over really well but Starting off, it would have been super hard, I think. I mean, hell, perhaps that's the reason why on the cover of the DVD, it's her right up front. Yeah. Max is kind of creeping out behind, like, hey, don't forget about <laughs> me. My name's on the cover. Right. So principal photography for the film was set to begin in Broken Hill, New South Wales. 
but in November of 2011, oh my God. unexpected heavy rainfall turned the vast desert into a field of wild, wildflowers, ruining the ideal landscape for a post-apocalyptic film. Dude, this is literally nature against him. Like, this area had not seen rain. I think it was, like, for <laughs> fucking months. For, like, 8,000 like, years. It was some. It was like some ridiculous number. It might have even been more than months. It could have been, like, years or something. But all of a sudden, it was oh just like, fucking, fucking let's rain. Some blind man in robes coming down from the nearby mountains was probably like, the prophecies foretold. The prophecies foretold. People were like, what the fuck's he shouting at? <laughs> I, I could just... Poor George Miller. Like I could just imagine him being like, I, I finally get to make my film. Let's- every time, every fucking time something happened, whether it was the, t- the Twin Towers or just this torrential downpour, he had the script of like Happy Feet 3 in his back <laughs> pocket the whole time. Like, God damn it. Is this really going to be my legacy? <laughs> my magnum opus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Like, it's just <laughs> literally everything. But obviously, with the film being made, this just shows... Patience wins. Keep fucking pushing. At least, at least in your heart, it wins. Yes. I mean, I would say mine too, but I'm sure someone out there is like, "Oh man, that's a bay load of doo doo." Everybody I've ever talked to has enjoyed this film. I've oh, not. Really? I've yet to meet one person that said Mad hmm. Max was a or Fury Road was a boring movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking ruin that for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna purposely find someone that hates. I'm sure it. if your wife watched it, she would have been like, "Ah, it was okay." Probably. <laughs> I can't do anything with Joey because Joey's like, "It's fine." <laughs> that's just that's just what he does. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Principal photography would finally begin in their new filming location, returning to Nambian in South Africa. Oh, Here, wow. Mad Max Rear Road would finally find its home and truly be underway. Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, unlike most films where the story starts as a screenplay, then gets turned into storyboards, George Miller, with the help of artist Brendan McCarthy and four other storyboard artists, Fury Road was designed fully in storyboard form first before the screenplay was actually written. Hmm. It took them two years building the storyboards, and it ended up being around 3,500 panels, which almost ended up being the number of shots in the final film. Oh, wow. And it's actually cool. Like, if you watch the behind-the-scenes features when, like, they're uh, they're in, like, the like a studio office, like, with the storyboards, it's just fucking, like, boards of panels all around them. It's fucking cool. That's cool. I like that. With Tom Harley and Charlize Theron already mentioned for the cast, let's give a rundown of the other cast members before getting into more of the film. Yay! Nicholas Holt was cast as Nux, the war boy that goes rogue. I did learn that Nux is Latin for, um, I I forget the exact meaning, but it's pretty much just like something that wasn't worthy. Oh my God. Like worthless or some shit like that. Well, he proved them wrong. Dude, he was a badass character. He just never stopped. Oh yeah, no. That's what I loved. Very relentless. Mm Mm-hmm. And dedicated at first. <laughs> yeah. And of course, people would probably know Nicholas Holt from movies like uh, the X-Men First Class. He played Beast. Uh, he portrayed uh, J.R.R. Tolkien in Tolkien. And he was also in Warm Bodies. Okay, that one I got. Yeah. <laughs> the lamest one. It's not that bad of a movie. It's a fun one. <sighs> I couldn't get into it too much. Gordon Eaton plays Cheeto the Fragile. Riley Keough as Capable, Rose Huntington Whitley as the Splendid Ang 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 Harrod. Ang And who's that last one, Josh? There's two more. Oh, you only named three. God, I named four. Abby Lee as the Dag, and Zoe Kravitz, Zoe Kravitz plays Toast the Knowing. 
<laughs> These were the five wives kept captive by Morton Joe, which Furiosa frees and helps escape. Fun little trivia, Riley Keough is the granddaughter of Elvis Presley, and Zoe Kravitz, as Matt kind of hinted at, is the daughter of Lenny Kravitz, known for his hit songs, Are You Gonna Go My Way, Fly Away, and American Woman. Yeah! And his pants ripped on stage not too long ago, and his penis was all flopping out. <laughs> But yeah, if you were or like, if you grew up in the early like '90s or like late '90s, early 2000s, you've definitely heard his his music somewhere. Oh yeah, his songs are unfortunately for me at least the ones that I never hear. But when I do, whether I go to a party or whether it's on a soundtrack, if I go up some, I don't know. When I do hear it, I'm immediately like, oh yeah, oh I know that for sure. Yes, she was the only one I knew. Though the first one. That died. Is that Angahara? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she looked familiar, but I don't know what she's from. Yeah. So, um, Inherit was the one that, the pregnant one that died. The Dag was the one that became friends with, like, the Keeper of the Seeds that yeah. um, gets the seeds at the end. Um, obviously, Zoe Kravitz, she's the one with, like, the shorter hair that becomes the badass that knows how to fucking, like, count the weapons and load it. Um... Oh, Cheetah the Fragile. Uh, she's the one that kind of didn't do a whole lot throughout the film, but she's the one that uh, when they're like in the final act, she's the one that like goes to Rictus to kind of like as like the trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm, uh, oh, which one am I missing? Capable. Capable is the, the redhead. Yeah, the redhead that becomes uh, very close with Nux. Yeah. And all the, like every single actress that, portrayed a lot of like some of them haven't been like i think it was cheeto the frat or cheeto like her actress this was like her first ever film and a mm. couple of the others like they just hadn't done a whole lot but they all did fucking fantastic i, I thought they did great and morton joe would be played by returning mad max star hugh keys burn which we did unfortunately lose just a few months back oh man hugh played the role of the villain toe cutter in the original mad max film george miller had consulted with writer and feminist eve Insler to help enhance all the female characters to bring them more to life. Oh, cool. I like it. Some little more side facts. Uh, Quentin Kinahan, who portrays Morton Joe's son, Corpus Colossus, the man in the chair that spots that Furiosa has gone off course yep. at the beginning of the film, is actually disabled in real life. He has... I, oh God, I'm going to butcher this name because I am not a doctor. Yeah, I don't think I could even do it. Osteo, osteogenesis imperfecta. That just sounds like something straight from Mad Max, I really. I feel like you cursed me. <laughs> Oste- Osteogenesis Imperfecta. Oh, does good. Sound like Twice a Harry you're po- doubling down. <laughs> does sound like a Harry Potter spell. And but I'm dead. there were no special effects or puppetry used for him, only makeup. Yep. That? Oh, I didn't know what it was, but I, I have seen him before. Yeah. I like, and that was the thing. Um, I talk about it a little bit later, but between how George Miller wrote you know, with the female characters and how he doesn't really like he, a lot of his films, he does bring on people with like different handicaps and stuff like that and disabilities. And a lot of people do studies on these films because like they, it's accurate, like accurate portrayal. Like he doesn't like belittle them or anything. Like they're just regular people and that's how it fucking should be. Yeah, of course. So a little side fact. What? <laughs> side fact. Call it what you want. Side fuck. 
So a little side fact, Megan Gale, who played the Valkyrie, the woman that is first spotted on the tower that Mad Max has his bait, one of the Vuvulini. What is she from? This is actually her first film. Okay, well, but, she looks very familiar. So around the same time, Christopher Nolan released his first Batman movie. Miller had was set to film his own Justice League movie, and Gale was to be his Wonder Woman. Oh. Due to Nolan's Batman film and Warner Bros. not wanting to make audiences focus on two different Batmans, they ended up canceling Miller's Justice League vision, even though sets, props, and costumes were already made for the film. Oh my god. I would have loved to have seen George Miller's take on the Justice League. Like, the, the, his full movie was cast. Like, everybody was cast. Like, there's oh. pictures of, like, the costume design, and it just, it looks fantastic. Like, I think the casting for, like, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, I think everybody fits their role really well. But there is just something about, like, especially her. Like, if you look up the pictures of uh, Megan Gale, Wonder Woman, like, her costume, it just, it works very fucking well. I couldn't help but be like, she better not die. She better not die. She better not die. Oh, God damn it. She died. <laughs> Man. But yeah, the Vuvulini, the they were just so fucking cool. Like, I love how, like, you know, obviously they, like, from what I took from the film, because obviously, like, they're riding motorcycles, so obviously they get gas somewhere. And I take it that, like, they probably attack people that come through and, like, steal the, like, gas and all that shit. Obviously, they set traps. But like, just the fact that, like, when they first come down, like, she does, like, the, like, vocalization or whatever, and all of a sudden, here they come, fucking, like, badasses on their motorcycles and shit. I'm like, oh, okay. Which, yeah, when you first see... Uh, it's either the first or second motorcycle after she makes that call. I mean, that was a sweet looking bike. Oh yeah, you could tell they're like, oh shit, they got they got some goodies. Well, they, are you talking about the one that had like that kind of the extended, extended back, back tire? Yep. Yeah, God, yeah. I don't know what kind of type of bikes those are, but yeah, I saw that. And I was like, ooh, ooh, oh yeah, that beats whatever fucking shit they got. So when Melissa Jaffer, who played the keeper of the seeds, the older woman, asked why she took a part in a film like this at the age of seventy eight, she replied, "I fucking love this quote." Quote. When this role came along, I thought, well, I won't get another chance like this before I die. And that's why I took it. And then she died in the movie. <laughs> and she said it was absolutely wonderful. Good. I will add, all the older actresses who that portrayed the rest of the Vuvulini, they did all of their own stunts. What? Yep. Holy shit, that is a gang of grandmas I do not want to fuck with. <laughs> it's like the... Uh, oh, God. It's like the fucking... Oh, God, what's the gang from uh, Fallout New Vegas? Like, when you turn on the fucking, <laughs> yeah. like... Wow, hey. the crazy mode no. where they fucking come at you with the uh, oh, rolling pins. Oh, I forget it. Oh, yeah, the, like, the bowling team, whatever, women. Oh, I forgot about them. Yeah. Well, now that makes that one line that the two of the older women said that was like one bullet for one man. I was like, Oh God, that's terrifying. Oh like, uh, yeah. As in just one shot, kill them all. I was like, Woo. But yeah. They're like, I mean, obviously it is sad that like a bunch of them do die, but they're badasses and they take plenty of them with them. Yeah, they do. I, I like, I do love like, um, when the two die on the motorcycle of Valkyrie and the other one, I forget like that character's name. Cause a lot of the characters aren't named mm -hmm. in the film. But, like, when they die, they kind of do, like, a very um, spiritual kind of, like, where they reach out with their hand and, like, close it, kind of, like, capturing the soul or whatever. I was like, well, that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. I like that much more than Witness Me. Witness! God, okay. So, Whoa. <laughs> side story. So, after Mad Max came out, the convention scene was fucking... <laughs> 
insane because this was right around the time because i started cosplaying late 2015 so this came out like right around when i first started cosplaying at my first few cons um one of my friends Paige, who i've talked about being like the jack of all trades i don't know if it was this podcast or like another podcast i think it was the uh the fire the streets but she did an amazing uh furiosa like i remember she talked like she posted online that she was going to be cosplaying it and like a day later she had like an art like her arm made and the arm looked dead on like it was full of like made from metal and all that Whoa. but she was telling a story of the first dragon con she went to as furiosa and dragon con's the big party con she talked about she went to a bar and there was just a fuck ton of war boys that were there like people cosplaying as war boys and they said as fucking as soon as she walked in they all just did the fucking like the little salute and they're just their like, hands in yep, like this yeah, yeah like the sign of the v8 and they just fucking screamed witness <laughs> it was v8 just because the cars yes okay because no they, I, I don't think you see the cars when they before they first say v8 and i'm like what the fuck they need juice for what the fuck's going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they worship the power of the V8. That that's pretty much why hey, like their hand symbol is most like the people V8. do. Okay, oh, yeah, that's what I got. But yeah, I like man, and it, it still is a thing. Like you still see people cosplay from like Mad Max. But I just got it. But I just got it. Four <laughs> four fingers on each hand. Eight V8. I just got it. Hell yeah! <laughs> I'm fucking proud of you. <laughs> but yeah, like if you just if you see a Mad Max cosplayer and you just yell "fucking witness," they will scream it back to you. And it's amazing. That's so cool. We, I'm gonna do that. Uh, there's another little side story because it has to do with her uh we were meeting like one of the dragon cons i went to i was cosplaying when i did my casey jones from like the newest nickelodeon show and he's got like the skull face paint and all that stuff i had on most of his get up which had like his little like shoulder pulgin that had spikes on it and i was doing the makeup and i just had the white on first and one of our roommates was just like you look like a war boy and we were getting ready to meet up with uh our friend that cosplayed furiosa and i was like fuck it let's just surprise her i was like let's a bunch of us just throw shit together so like i had like i didn't wear like i had like i just took my shirt off and just put on like one of my uh punk vests that i had i put on the shoulder pauldron i did the makeup fucking did the like the grease paint like kind of like few like they have <laughs> i'll never forget we're all waiting at the bottom of the elevators for her to get off and she she gets off, she sees us, and we just fucking scream witness, and she was so happy. That's awesome. <laughs> it's shit like that I love. They need to make a new Mad Max film so we can do this again. <laughs> okay. And then we can have another episode. Yeah. Maybe I'll cosplay something, too. You should. I will. I'll cosplay one of those women that have <laughs> breast pumps on. Moo. <laughs> I get, <laughs> that's what I'll do. I'll do Rick this. Moo. <laughs> Filming would finally begin. Finally. After fucking... Almost a decade, over a decade. Yeah, of just when, when, when was when was he trying to at first ninety nine or something ninety eight or something? Early, yeah, early? Uh, yeah, because yeah, because uh, two thousand one happened. He had two thousand four or three. You said, and then so, yeah, two thousand seven. Over, over a decade of oh, trying. My God, filming would finally begin in July of twenty twelve, with most of the filming taking place in Durab National Park. Miller says eighty percent of the film is practical. CGI was mostly used during the Citadel scenes at the beginning and at the end of the film. To enhance the vast location with like the greenery and everything else. Yes. And obviously they use CGI for Furiosa's prosthetic arm. What? And to alter the skies to make them more interesting. All of the night scenes that you see, like uh, like after they meet the Vuvulini and all that, and um, when they're in the uh, the quagmire and they're facing off. Like, what they're... an interesting choice of word there. The, I, I, the I, quagmire. Fucking, quagmire. I love it. But um, all those scenes were shot during the day. 
No, but uh, during post production, they all they altered the sky just to make it look more interesting, and it really did. It's like put a blue filter on it. But I will say the uh, prosthetic arm, like the CGI for that, they did a fucking fantastic job. Because like, there's this scene like when uh, Furious and Max fight, and she like fucking hits him with the like her nub, like it looks like she just doesn't ha- actually have an arm. I then. While watching it, realized that when they were going through that that quagmire, and there's those weird long legged fucking things walking. Oh yeah, the people on the stilt or whatever. Yeah, I have seen those before. Whether it was like a TikTok or a meme or whatnot, I had never had any clue what it was from. But now I know. Yeah, like because uh, I know some like I've heard in like different podcasts and stuff, people are trying to like figure out what the hell that was. But like I just took it as people that kind of learned to live in the the muck. But yeah, they don't area. they don't want to be in the mucks. So they yeah. have stilts on just to got or yeah, to it's walk just, through it's it. It's just a creepy imagery. Like, oh god. But um also just talking about CGI, can we talk about the fucking sandstorm scene? Oh, oh my god. That scene. Like, I didn't think it was gonna go that far. I didn't see that's one thing I liked is that beginning interaction in the chase lasted for so long, but it was good long, I thought. And I thought it was gonna end basically as one or two disappear into that storm. Or perhaps they just somehow like covered up and just waited for the storm to pass. I didn't think it was gonna go in the storm for like another ten minutes. I'm like, God damn. She thinks we're stupid, Dad. She thinks she can lose us in there. Like this the soundtrack for that scene, the fucking like just the the amount of red on like the characters watching the fucking cars get sucked up in the tornado, the lightning strikes, like that entire scene. Like if I like if I show anybody any scene from Mad Max it has to be that scene. Yeah? Like, that scene is just... Not the breast pump scene? No. Like, that scene alone is just, like, cinematic gold. Yeah. No. That's... I feel like that's an understatement. Yeah. And that was a great scene. So, all of the car wrecks that you see are all practical and actually happened. Other than, of And I course, kept that in mind... Sorry. I kept that in mind while watching, though. Yeah. I was like, he said, every one of these is fucking practical. And, of yep. course, I'm just, again, on the edge of my seat, letting my pizza rolls get cold. <laughs> Other than, of course, the ones that get sucked into this tornado. What? They only use some CGI to help enhance the flames and move cars closer to the explosion since they kept them further during filming. So, like, towards the end when the uh, tanker explodes, I'll, like, uh, I was watching, like, the behind-the-scenes film. Like, they had, like when they actually set off the explosion for that, a lot of the cars that are along the side, they had a little bit further out. But like after, like during post production, when the explosion happens, they just altered the cars and just moved them closer. But the cars are still fucking running alongside them. And God, I even love near the end in that final chase where they take off. I guess like one of the gas lines or so, and would suck the gas yep. and spit it into the carburetor, and it would just give them more RPM and go. I'm just like. I don't know why I just fucking love that. It's well, like, because it's so, so Mad Max like, and so much of like the slangs they use and all that. Like uh, when she's asking about how the engines doing, she goes and uh, Nux is just like, "Oh, she's real thirsty." Yeah, like it's just yeah. stuff like that that I fucking love. Aesthetically, it's incredible. Oh yeah, how how well it is. I just got. I like this is one of the reasons why I obviously like with the dissectors cut, it's mostly horror and stuff, but really horror is subjective. So a post post apocalyptic, it could be a horror. Stole the words out of my mouth. I'm like, someone's gonna look at this and be like, ugh. But yeah, there's just there's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this movie because like as far as like especially within like the last like decade, 
easily one of my top films, but I think if I was to make a like top 10 list, this movie is definitely on it. This would be number one through nine. And then yeah. 10 be Princess Diaries. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This, this would yeah, easily, fuck yeah. honestly, I think this movie would make even the top five. Yeah. Like it's just, I, I could see that being on your top five. Yes, like this is definitely one of the films that, like, within the last decade that I have watched the most, that has like released in the past decade. Like, like I said, I mean, it's just a great movie because like you don't have to really pay attention or focus on a whole lot. It's just nonstop go. Mm-hmm. And if you would, if you were to tell me that watching an almost two hour movie that's just pretty much a giant chase, I feel like that sounds dumb. Oh yeah, that's like smoking the bandit. It's like fucking speed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speed. I can't remember what the fuck other movie it is, but there's like a oh god, it's a f- famous car chase, a Mustang, and oh man, maybe a Charger or something like Death that. Death Proof. No, a much older movie. Oh, okay, I, um, say, I mean Death Proof is kind of one, but Death Proof's kind of in the same realm where it works. Yeah, but that's like a race, isn't it? Isn't Death Proof? Like- yeah, oh, oh no. no, I'm thinking of you're yeah. thinking of Death Race. Oh, pfft. wow. What gave that away? <laughs> but uh, Death Proof was the uh, Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, any any dad out there that likes cars that's like, I don't know, about between the age of 50 to 70, they know what Mustang Charger race scene I was fucking thinking about. I can't I can't think of it. I'm going to look for it, though. But yeah, like, it's just, it works very well. Uh, obviously, there is, because I, I was listening to one con- or one podcast, I forget which podcast it was, but they are like, There's, this movie has no plot, but it works. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This movie has a plot yeah they're fucking trying to i mean so like they really sum up the plot furiosa who was essentially one of morton joe's most like regarded uh drivers and i mean he obviously thought a lot of her to be able to go on this mission to go to gas town like trade gas for the mother's milk and you know furiosa goes to steal the um you know the wives that are held captive and pretty much made to uh, try to create another baby for Morton Joe, like they're pre- pretty much just his sex slaves, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his his breeders, as they call them. So the movie, Ugh. she's the whole movie is about her trying to escape with them to a better place, the green place. And of course, obviously, they get there and nothing fucking. The, the ground was sour and there's no green place anymore. And yeah, then it's a, went... and then you know the last part of the film is about them trying to get back to the Citadel to take it over and survive. Yeah, it's just one big round trip for the whole family. Pretty much. <laughs> Found the movie. It's called Bullet. Oh, shit. B-U-L-L-I-T-T. Bullet. Movie car. Chasing oh, yeah, that's Mustang the, and Charger. That's the one with, uh, oh, wow. I can't yep. think of his fucking name. All of a sudden, I from, know it. Uh, I'm smart. You're not. Yeah, what's his name? McQueen. Uh, yeah, Steve McQueen. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I referenced that movie at one point. I actually had a guy that I used to work with three years ago so his name is steve mcqueen i was like what oh really i said is it junior i mean no i'm like okay fine fine." one of the best steve mcqueen movies the great escape so good yep talking about all the action and everything being real even the flamethrowing guitar used by australian new zealand musician iota and it's a lowercase i capital o-t-a look at that who portrayed the owned by apple yeah he portrayed the doof warrior <laughs> the, the flame, the flamethrower guitar was practical and capable of not only being played but actually shot flames as well. Yeah, because George Miller watching the fucking concert of Kiss and was like, <laughs> "That's what I need." It was, the, and the flamethrower was controlled by the whammy bar. Eat your heart out, guitar hero. Hell yeah! 
The Doof Warrior and his Doof Wagon was probably one of the coolest on-screen vehicles I have ever seen. And also, that wall of cabinets, the yeah. speakers. Fuck. Also, as a little side note to kind of explain the term Doof. Please. The term Doof describes an outdoor dance party held in remote country areas and is originally in post-punk electronic scenes in Melbourne, Australia. So pretty much- Are you fucking just, kidding? Yeah. Because I feel bad making fun of that now when it literally means it's the most perfect word I've ever heard for a dystopian Mad Max movie. Yep. Wow. Everything makes sense. But- Okay. I, oh so I think it's funny, like, um, when they first made the guitar, it didn't actually, like, wasn't capable of playing anything but george miller he's like well that's a shame we should make well, it yeah he's like well that's a shame we should be able to make it play so obviously they did it they did now all like some of the amps were actually uh hooked up to play not all of them but that's fair but god damn like that whole thing like the fact that that vehicle even existed with all the fucking drums on the back the air yeah, conditioning that was fucking sweet air conditioner ducts that uh from like buildings that they had to kind of amplify the sound like I I like the way the soundtrack works too. That you don't hear the guitar except when you need to. Like, hear except the guitar. when he's either close or there. Like even the scene, like when they for, like get stuck in the quagmire and like it's slowing down. Just like the dun dun dun. It's so fucking good. <laughs> I would love to own that. Right. Oh my god. And did you notice what it was like made from? Uh, like the no. the. Well, I'm not a guitar player. What's like the base of it called the bottom part bottom part like the body i guess y- yeah is it just called the body pretty it, much okay, okay uh but like the body of the guitar is made from a fucking like bedpan uh, oh no okay you meant the guitar for some reason i think it meant like the vehicle oh no no no, no. but yeah no I, the I guitar even... like if you look at it it's made from like bedpan. a bedpan that has like other shit that's made from it oh god it just, it's so cool yeah it's a double neck i didn't pay attention if it was like guitar <laughs> and bass or what it was was it I don't know. I didn't pay too close attention. I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, I love that. It was just a double nick, bedpan-based, flame-shooting guitar. Why wasn't that in Guitar Hero? Right? As an unlockable character. Right? So George Miller, when he began filming, even managed to bring cinematographer John Seal out of retirement to shoot in Fury Road. Seal has been the cinematographer on many famous films, including Gorillas in the Mist, Rain Man, which was filmed in here in Cincinnati, yeah, Dead Poet Society, and even Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or Philosopher's Stone, but depending on where you're at. Obviously, these are just to name a few, but those are some pretty heavy hitters as far as like yeah. cinematography goes. See, you would replace Dean Selmer, who was the cinematographer on the previous two films, and would be the first time he shot on digital camera. Mm. The main thing Miller asked for of Seal was to keep the focus of the shot centered so that while watching all the explosions and crazy cat crashes, the audience could easily focus back on what they were supposed to focus on. So pretty much he told them whatever like the main focus, like Furiosa or Max or like the main car, keep that focus in the middle. Like he pretty okay. much wanted that in the middle of the scene. When if you watch every time it's right there. When it came to production design of the film, Miller didn't feel he needed to top himself compared to the previous Mad Max films. He just wanted to make a film that felt grounded and create a world that worked. Production designer Colin Gibson was the main was the main man responsible for the creation of the vehicles that filled the screen of Mad Max Fury Road. Each vehicle was designed to tell a story and represent the characters and area that they were from. And if you need to get that guy on the line, I need to call from him. And if you look, like there are so many like details that you really don't 
focus on like this is one of the things that even watching like after watching Fury Road so many times like you still pick up on little details especially like with the cars mm -hmm. like uh in um like the Furious is like the war rig like all the details that like are on the, the ceiling of like the little like skull logo and stuff like that like there's so much of that in like a lot of the cars that you don't even get to see but it's just the fact that they went that deep in the detail it's fucking fantastic. Well, it sounds like I'll have to watch it a couple more times. I so. highly, highly recommend it. I know it's streaming on uh, HBO Max. Oh, well, good. So let's break down some of the vehicles, shall we? Yay! First, let's talk about the main focus vehicle, the 2,000-horsepower nitro-boosted war machine, the Tatra T815, a.k.a. the War Rig. Yeah. The War Rig was a 78-foot-long, 18-wheeler oh. combination of a Tatra... T815 that they custom made the front and widened a 87 or 47 or 48 Chevrolet Fleetmaster sedan was added for extra space in the back. Three war rigs were made and one buck truck, which was just the cabin where the actors were filmed. 75? 78 foot long. 78 feet long. Oh my God. If anyone's wondering how long that is, it's long. Because I'm pretty sure a semi's only reached to 53 feet. That's the trailer, though. So with the truck itself, it might be just as big as a semi, if not a little bit longer. I will say, too, um, and I know I mentioned it later, but I just want to say it straight up. If you go, so um, a lot of movies, like there's like the fandom Wikipedias. Yep. If you go to Mad Max's, there's an entire list that breaks down every fucking car. So fucking cool. Okay. <laughs> I highly recommend it because there's so much, like, so many detailed shots and pictures and sketch arts from, like, the production and stuff like now that. Now, that sounds like something I will have to look up. Oh, yeah. So now let's talk about a Morton Joe's vehicle, the Giga Horse. I love this description by Gibson. Quote, in a world where there's hardly one of anything to show you had power, he's the man who's got two of everything. This powerhouse was built from scratch with a custom chassis, and the body was made of two 1959 Cadillac <sighs> Coupe de Ville's with the bottom portion widened. It's powered by two Chevrolet 502 horsepower big block crate motors with fabricated manifolds. 502 horsepower, my God. That thing was fucking monstrous. Two of them. Damn. The third and last vehicle we focus on is the one Warner Brothers dubbed the Sonic Carmageddon, the Doof Wagon. Colin Gibson <laughs> said, quote, Every army needs a little drummer boy. George imagined one bigger and louder than ever seen before. The Doof Wagon is a refurbished 15-ton artillery truck fit with a supercharged V8 engine equipped with a wall of speakers and subwoofers with air conditioning ducts off buildings to help amplify the sound of the four massive drums that were located on the back. Oh, man, God. And the, what were those drums? Are those Grand Casas or Timpanis? Anyone know? I'm not 100% sure. They just look like the massive, like, war drums that had, like, the fuck. I'm sure they used, like, in Mad Max world, they used human skin to fucking make the, 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 <laughs> I could not the drum heads. Yeah, I could not imagine, like, them building that in the world of Mad Max and then finding, <laughs> you know, Doof over here and be like, here, this is yours. And Give him the guitar. You get on that, you play. And so I love he, that he was attached by like bungee cords and just jumping around. Like I love the scene, like when they're all like stop, like just kind of oh, and he's sleeping. resting and all that, and he's just, just like kind of like there. resting like with his legs up and shit. I'm like, man, that's so fucking like he is so cool. I wonder what he does when he's not 
on the doof wagon. Practicing? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, I love, because, like, if you look at him, like, obviously, like, when his mask gets ripped off, he's got a very, like, his face is all fucked up. Oh, yeah. But um, George Miller actually created, like, a backstory for him that, like, uh, Morton Joe, like, found him in the desert. And, like, that face, like, like the mask that he wears is actually, like, the face of his dead mother that he now wears as a mask. I was like, oh, oh okay. Right. I was oh, like, that's okay. a bit brutal. I was like, okay, Ed Gein. Yeah. But as I said, seriously, I highly suggest you all go to madmax.fandoms.com. Slash cars. Matt, that's you. Like, just, if you go to madmaxfandoms.com, like, it takes you to the entire website. Like, you can break down characters, like, uh, backgrounds and stuff on there. But, yeah, there's a whole section of just vehicles, and it's insane. Like, the original ideas for uh, even just the um, doof wagon, like, George Miller originally wanted, like, trumpets and all kinds of shit on it and just insane amount of bullshit on there i'd fucking love it though but yeah if you look at the vehicles from this film there's so much information and production designs that the team used on there it's absolutely insane to see some of the concepts that didn't happen Hmm. there are vehicles with tank treads monster truck tires vehicles with poles that people literally swung back and forth on cars covered in spikes trucks that have working saw blades flamethrowers it's fucking insane literally i feel like the best way to describe it is mad max can well, I can't ta- even like, describe dystopian anymore. Even like, the this fucking, is so Mad Max. Even the fucking polecats. Like, when I first saw that, like, them, like, riding up and, like, they're swaying back and forth on those giant poles, I was like, there's no way that they're actually going to be, like, able to use those for anything. But, goddamn, it's so fucking cool. Because, like, I was watching the behind the scenes and, like, how they, like, tested obviously Like, if you look, they have, like, the weight system kind of, like, on the back to kind of keep it swaying back and forth. But it's just such a fucking crazy idea that somehow worked yeah i was so glad at that moment to finally see like another antic yeah like something new for every five ten minutes that happened throughout the movie yeah because i mean oh my god because like even at the beginning you get like the thunder sticks like the fucking like yeah javelins that they throw and stuff like that like it's just everything's so fucking cool in this world so i know i kind of mentioned this earlier but the thing i love about this movie is not everything is hand-fed to you. So many of the characters just exist in the world and not everything is outright explained. There are so many little details you can pick up over a course of multiple viewings. Like I said, I still watch this and still pick up things from here and there, especially like after researching this. I'm sure once I watch it again, I'll be like, oh shit, there's even more. For instance, when the warboards go to sacrifice themselves, they spray their mouths with chrome, like with a chrome-like spray paint. This actually is the warboards partaking in a very euphoric inhalation drug that keeps the war boys high and devoted to a Morton Joe. The Australian slang for inhaling abuse is called chroming, and the gestures the war boys make is the sign of the V8. Uh-huh, okay, okay. And it's funny, if you... So, there is a cake decorating uh, company that makes, like, a um, edible, like, spray paint for cake decorating. I saw a thing online where it talked about before the release of Mad Max, literally, all the reviews, just cake decorators. After the movie released, it's there's like five to six pages, I'm sure it's even more now, of nothing but like reviews of like people that have made Amazon accounts acting like war boys or people just talking <laughs> about it. It's fucking hilarious. For the paint. Yes. God oh, damn. Especially, co- like, awesome. there's so many cosplayers that would also like get it just to do that. Like, for like cons and stuff it's so cool i bet it's exciting for george to see that 
Oh, I guarantee you fucking loves it. Oh, I, I would absolutely love it. I would If I saw videos of cons of people saying, witness me, spray painting that on them, chroming, as you will, I'd be like, God, I don't know. I, I'd feel so just ecstatic about but it. But yeah, like after learning that, like even that little detail, it just, it makes sense. Yeah, they, it does. They, yeah, they, they're pretty much using an inhalant to just get high before they sacrifice themselves. Sounds something like something I would want to do. It's like the one that gets shot at, the the very beginning within the fucking face and he dives off with the fucking javelin. Oh yeah, yeah. I will say that scene, like watching behind the scenes of that, like because obviously they had him on a harness, like a bungee harness, but like he's like diving on, like pretty much gets very close to diving on top of this car that's covered in spikes. But God, it's so fucking cool. Man, I don't know. It, I, don't, I don't know if I could ever do stunts like that. Oh, hell no. That's why I think stunt actors are fucking phenomenal and should get way more recognition. But um, I do think it's cool. The war boy that played Ace, the one that's like with Furiosa, that's like go like pretty much climbs to like the um driver's side and was talking to her, like you know what are we doing or what's oh what's yeah going yeah on? that guy. He's I forget his name, but he actually uh was the security like in charge of like security at the set. Oh really? But they can't like put him in like, hey, Come a, here for a second. Yeah, they put him under all. I was like, that's fucking cool. So another like little fact that you don't really get to like um see that I thought was really cool. The fact that the buzzards, the cars that first attack Furiosa and the car like the cars that are covered in spikes and stuff like that, they're the uh they're pretty much called the buzzards. But the buzzards were a group of Russian speaking scavengers that lived underground. Though in the Russian dub of the film, the buzzards speak German. That way, no matter the dub, they sound foreign to the viewers. I thought that was oh, cool because, cool. like, in the American versions and everything, they they speak Russian. But in the Russian dub, they're like, well, I'm going to make them speak German so that it still sounds... like the German dub? German dub, they're Russian. Oh. Okay. <laughs> the buzzards were explored more in the Mad Max video game that released uh, in 2015 as well. Like, you actually go to some of, like, their underground, like layers and it's fucking creepy as fuck like they're terrifying in that game so when it came to the stunts guy norris who acted as supervising stunt coordinator and second unit director was in charge of over 150 different stunt actors which even included several performers from cirque de de soleil yeah and olympic athletes 90 percent of the stunts were practical according to miller oh my god this movie does just keep getting more amazing and more amazing every passing minute when you describe it. it. It's insane. While filming, love would also be found while working off and on set. Charlize Theron's stunt double would meet Tom Hardy's stunt double while on set and eventually fall in love and are now Dana and Dane Grant. Dana actually went on to open a school in New Zealand for training stunt performers. Oh my god! There was another uh, another story. One of the other stunt actors, he uh, fell in love with one of the uh, one of the wives. I think I think it's the um, I forget which one it was, but they ended up getting married as well. Oh my fucking god! Tom and Charlie's like, hey, they did it. Why don't we? <laughs> so after you know decades of fighting to get their movie made, after fucking blowing up cars and. Everything in the desert, having to fucking move deserts to different locations. <laughs> Filming would finally wrap after a series of reshoots in December of 2013, with a total of 480 hours of footage. God. Miller would recruit his wife, Margaret Sixel, to edit the film. She had 
edited. She's like, thanks, George. <laughs> she had edited his previous films, Happy Feet and Babe, Pig in the City. God damn it. She was, however, confused why he would ask her to edit an action film, which she had never done. He responded by saying he believed that she would make it stand out from any other action film, saying uh, that it wouldn't look like a, another guy. Man, this guy film. is smart. He, he's a fucking He's genius. a smarty pants. The 480 hours of footage took over three months just to watch, and considering the film wouldn't come out for another roughly year and a half, it's safe to say editing took quite some time. But it was not all in vain, as she took home an Oscar win for Best Editing at the 2015 Academy Awards. And George is just there smiling fucking ear to ear, man. <laughs> just like, he's so fucking proud of what he's made. I guarantee it. When it came to what is undoubtedly one of the one of my all-time favorite film scores, it was written by Dutch composer Thomas Hulkenberg. Hulkenborg, sorry. Or better known by a stage name, Junkie XL. Yeah, let's go with that. Other film scores that were written by him include 300 Rise of... Rise of an Empire, huh. Deadpool, oh. Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and even Godzilla vs. Kong. He also did really? I, I think I also read that he did the score for Army of uh, Army of the Dead. Oh my god. Yep. He's also going to uh he's also stated that he's signed on the because like George Miller is working on sequels to this. He's signed on to do the scores for that as well. Of course. That's what I would do. The film would finally release in theaters on May 7, 2015, with its Australian release date coming a week later on May 14th. Now, I actually saw this movie on opening weekend, and holy shit, I was fucking blown away. God, it's been over six years. Yep. I actually remember when the credits roll, the lights came on, and you know we're just sitting there taking in everything that we saw. I literally looked to my friends that I went with, and I was just like, God bless George Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were not the only one in that theater thinking the same thing. And like it was it literally like one of the like movies that like we were so captivated by it that like we literally stood in the lobby and we're like, I don't want to see it again, but the next showing wasn't for like a couple more hours. And we're like, ah, fuck it, we'll go see it later. I, th I ended up going to see it again in theaters, but oh my god, that first like, time that yeah. first time, like Yeah, same here. I just could not turn away. I don't know if it was Oh God, the acting or colors. I don't, th I don't know. I don't know if it was like a more primeval type of thing. Like, is this how I would act if it was fucking dystopian? And, like, and, and it's what is going such on? a unique film, especially for like now today, like in today's standards. Cause like George Miller, like if you pay attention, especially during the beginning sequences, there are times where like he speeds up the frame rate a little bit. So yep. it looks a little bit jumpy. And in my mind, it just makes it seem a little bit more insane like when max is like escaping Running, yeah. from the uh boy boys at the very beginning like there are scenes where like um I th one of the uh producers who talked about it they're like the way george Miller looked is like if you could see it like really see it he sped it up but if you couldn't really see it he slowed it down just a little bit but it worked so fucking well like i'm glad to know that just wasn't me my, my eyes fucking me or something right and well like, that's the thing too like when you go like when you watch movies that are like out of like different frame rates, you can definitely tell, and it's just kind of a little jarring. Yeah, but I I love it. Well, I think for this film especially, it paid off. Well, and I also love like at the very very beginning, like when Max is just like looking over the desert, um, how the sounds quiet and you don't hear the cars approaching until they're fucking right in camera. I don't know why, but I I love that. It works so well. I knew he was going to kill that little double headed lizard. It just fucking eats it raw. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah, I didn't expect that, but I'm like, literally, as soon as it came up, I'm like, if that thing starts running towards him, I just, and I'm like, oh, well, here he goes. Nice knowing you. And I also love, like, that was, the the little double-headed lizard was such a, like, little detail just to kind of, sh- like, represent the radiation and just the mutations that happen. Because obviously, like, if you look at, like, some of the other people at the Citadel, like, they're all... C- like covered in like sores or yeah different, one like, guy's roads. nose near the end is like really huge yeah like the, the, the gentleman you told that you uh mentioned that was the security guard that was the one that was talking to fear oh, yeah so, yeah i think he had a growth like on his yeah. neck well and even uh nux he had his two little growths here that he taught like drew oh, little yeah, yeah, smiley yeah, faces yeah. on stuff like that yeah like there's so, like I said, oh, hell, like, even a morton joe before he yeah. put on his armor god damn can't forget that Oh, yeah, and his big, giant fucking air sack that he uses. Like, his whole contraption is so terrifying looking. fucking cool. He's yeah. fucking terrifying looking. He's like, hoist teeth. Of course, his voice goes, like, oh, my God. His hoist teeth mask and everything. Oh, my God. Like, the costume department alone was just... Oh. Oh. Chef's kiss. Fuck yeah, dude. Excuse me. Oh, God. With both. I mean, it was... Yeah, everything about that. Again, aesthetically, oh, God, the atmosphere, everything about that was fantastic. This, I think, for sure, is probably my favorite movie that I've watched for any of the TDC episodes we've done. That's totally fair. Yeah, I, like, I, I really do yep. think so. And the episode's fun, too. Good. Glad. Because besides uh, Mother Nature's and the forces of the universe fucking just against solely George, <laughs> um, everything else needs to be a happy ending. Yeah. Whether it's like, you know, giving his wife, you know, to edit the film and that worked out in her favor and just calling the security guard over like, hey, you know, you want to have a little more fun with this? I mean, yeah, and that, that it, character he plays is like such a badass character, too. And it, again, yeah. it goes to show like they even trusted Furioso at first because they're like, what's going on? But they're like, OK, well, she seems to know what the fuck she's doing. So, all right, let's go. Yeah, he, it seems like George is willing to try whatever. He gets a good idea. It seems like he can get an idea that he knows is good and he will stick with it and <laughs> it doesn't matter if again if mother nature and the forces of universe against him he goes through with it and i love the scene when they're running from the buzzards and he's uh ace the security guard yep. like he's talking to furious and he's just like ready and she like locks the pedal and like she hangs out the door with him and they shoot the uh the one truck god that scene's so fucking cool <laughs> it's definitely a movie worth multiple views yeah, and I'm not really ever a big fan of watching a movie more than once. I mean, I understand totally that movies need to be watched more than once if you want to take it all in, because there's no way you could do it on the first try or especially, possibly second. Especially a movie like this. Yeah, but I'm like, you know what? I might as well do it. I feel like it deserves it. So Mad Max Fury Road would go on to make $376.1 million at the box office against the $150 million budget. The film was praised upon its release and found itself on many top films of 2015 lists and would even be found on many top films of the decade list. Damn right. Fury Road also, as I mentioned earlier, was gained, also gained praise from a- academic fields such as women's studies and disability studies. Oh. Like they talked about how like there are so many like college courses and like classes that have done papers on this film that like, makes the film that much better because i mean like i do love like i do love that when he brought in the woman to do like to help with like the scripts and like the the women the feminists or whatever yeah she like even just reading the script that she said like she loved what george miller did for like the women and same with like the people with disabilities like he just makes them humans i feel like i'm gonna cry again <laughs> 
Now, I mentioned earlier that Mad Max Fury Road would win an Oscar for Best Editing, but overall, the film would be nominated for 10 different awards, which even to be nominated for 10 awards is fucking huge, especially the Academy Awards, which are pretty stingy when it comes to movies. They're like opening the envelope. An Oscar for the best fucking goddamn movie ever to be existed goes to... Because, like, I mean, the Oscar... Happy Feet. I mean, because, like I said... When you take what Mad Max Fury Road is and talk about like the realm of horror, because like the Academy Awards tend to ignore horror, like don't give it much love. But you know when they, but they give movies like Mad Max Fury Road praise when there are movies that I think deserve way more love. Like I mean, even like Get Out, Hereditary, like these high class. Obviously, like Get Out was nominated or won uh, best screenplay, I think, and you know films like Shape of Water get nominated for best film and win but like it's just i feel like mad max as far as like action films too really helped pave the way for like something in the future could easily yeah get a lot more love yeah it's its own stepping stone it just helps uh to further create that path and i do think it's cool like it didn't end up winning but it was also nominated for best director and best movie which even to get to those high tier awards is fucking huge. But out of the 10 nominations, it would win a total of six different Academy Awards, including Best Film Editing, Best Production Design, Best Costume Design, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Sound Editing. Best Tasting Milk. Of all the films nominated, it won the most awards, which I believe taking so many behind-the-scenes awards is a testament of the amount of incredible talent George Miller had on board for this project. And so it, he's walking away, just grinning, like winking at people, like, yeah, what do you think? And it was funny, like... Can't hold all these myself. It was funny, because, like, I remember it started becoming, like, a running joke, because, like, they won, like, four of them, like, in a fucking row, and then there was a couple movies that uh, won different awards in between, but it kind of became a running joke, because I, th- I forget who it was, but, like... He like because they have different people present different movies and different awards and say stuff. But uh, forget which actor it was, but like he got on stage and was just immediately like, "And Mad Max won." <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm I'm up here for the fourth fucking time. What do you want me to do? But yeah, like I just because I, I watched this Academy Awards and like every time it won, I was just like, "Yeah, well deserved." Fuck yeah! <laughs> you cried, didn't you? Be honest. I didn't cry, but I was happy. Filthy liar. I will say, I think the happiest I've ever been watching a movie win an award was. The year Shape of Water won. Really? Because that was the year that I was just... Because I love fucking Guillermo del Toro. Like, he's just... like He essentially is, like, the human embodiment of My Neighbor Totoro. Like, if you look at him, and he's been, like, called that, too, because it was in... I think it was Pacific Rim. The little girl that... Oh, yeah. The little girl that's in the movie. She couldn't say his name. So I think he let her call him, like, like Totoro or some shit. Ah, like it's just fucking so cute. But like, I like when they announced that that movie won. Like, I it was like literally like I was just like fuck yeah, because <laughs> like again for horror that's a huge stepping stone. Because like while yeah there are like it's not as like straight up a horror film. Shape of Water still in that realm monster movie. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So when it came to the home media release, the film was released on DVD and Blu-ray and would become one of the top-selling titles of 2015 and 16. According to reports, as of 2020, over 3 million copies have been sold. Wow. The film film was also released with a black-and-white version or 
as they call it, black and chrome or silver and chrome uh, or something like that. The black and white version was how George Miller originally wanted to release the film, but didn't have faith in that the film would go over well with the viewers. Yeah, I don't think it would have. But I will say, if you ever get a chance to watch it in black and white, check it out because it's fucking it. Well, it works really well. Does it work as well as the um, setting on Ghost of Tsushima? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I think I love that setting and that and Ghost of Tsushima just because it makes it like the old style, like samurai films. Yeah. I love it so much. So as far as the future goes for Max Rakotansky and the new rulers of the Citadel, when Miller and McCarthy were working on the script, they wrote an, enough material for an additional two scripts. Tom, Tom Hardy has said in interviews that he was signed on for four films as Max, so he's got three more films according to his contract. After a dispute with Warner Brothers over money, Miller revealed that the next title in Mad Max The Wasteland was in the works. Miller has also gone on record to say that two separate scripts will cover a Max story and, a, and the other following Furiosa. Okay, okay, cool. I'd like to see her again, because I would imagine that if there was a sequel, which obviously during this I found out that there's probably going to be, it probably wouldn't have Furiosa or the Citadel in it. Maybe a little bit, but obviously at the end of this movie, he you know, leaves. He goes yep. on his own. So I would expect he was just which, out there doing his own thing. Which I do love, because like... And all, all the other films, you know, Mad like Max is. I always want to call him Mad Max, but it just, but like Max, he's the lone wanderer essentially. Like it just, it makes sense, and I, I do love that. Like he kind of like sneaks off the platform or the elevator, like because you see her kind of like look around, and then like she sees him in the crowd. I just love the like little nod he gives her. It's just, I don't know. There was something about it. Like it just worked really well. Yeah. I like the happy ending, but not fully happy because yeah. I'm sure people are like, oh, he should stay. And him and Charlize or, you know, Furiosa, you know, it could be a thing together. Yeah. And I love that they didn't, like, I, yeah. I love no that need. they didn't push that at all. Yes. I'm so glad they didn't. And like, no, like long, like I'm about to kiss you and then just, oh, can't. Well, and I love that for like so long, he wouldn't even tell her like his name or whatever. And I love that like kind of moment when he's helping like save her and he's just like, my name's Max. Yeah, I didn't realize he was a doctor and he could do a blood transfusion and just save his life. Well, when Her you, life. I was going to say, when you live in the wasteland, you kind of learn, learn how to I survive. Guess. And I do love that, like, you know, he saved the tubing from, like, him being yeah. a blood bag with Nuxx. That it, reminded me that I really, really liked in the very beginning, he was getting a tattoo on his back of, like, his name and his oh, yeah. blood type. Yeah, because he was uh, a universal donor, like, his yeah. blood type. So, like, that's one of the reasons why it worked because he can... Yeah. Do it for everything, but yeah, it's so it's so interesting. Like the amount of like again, it just the details, like, and it makes me wonder. And it fits too because you it happens, and you're like, oh yeah, in a dystopian world, I can totally see someone tattooing on my back everything about me. Right. Well, and it makes me wonder too because in Mad Max Two, there's a scene where uh you know Max finds like this little like uh facility that has like an oil um like drill, so like they have a bunch of like fucking oil. And there's two cars that roll up and there's people tied to the front. And in my head, I'm like, man, I wonder if that, that was George Miller being like making those people blood bags, essentially. Because mm. that's what, I mean, what Max is, essentially was at the beginning. He was, yeah. He was Nux's blood bag. Like he was attached to him. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. This movie was fucking killer. No pun intended. <laughs> and from what like reports I've seen, Mad Max The Wasteland has finished filming from what I've seen, but it seems a little... Uh, like that. There hasn't been a lot of like details released. Then, yeah, but, no, I mean, no. it's I <laughs> prefer it that way. I like, and of course, with COVID, the like, productions have been kind of muddled and everything. So who knows? You know, but, 
I, mm, <laughs> speaking of the forces of nature, I bet he was getting ready to fucking film near the end of 2019. And all of a sudden, someone was like, <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with you? Boom, COVID. And he's yep. like, fuck. And then he had to just stop filming probably. Yep. <laughs> oh, no, it's going to happen all over again. We're not going to see it to like 2028. In October of 2020, a spinoff slash prequel titled Furiosa, directed by George Miller, was announced. And this will tell the story of a younger Furiosa and her journey to the badass she became. Cool. It set the start. Anya Taylor-Joy as a young Furiosa. And Anya has made a name for herself in recent years, starring in films like The Witch, New Mutant, Split, and even Netflix, The Queen's Gambit miniseries. Ah. There's also reports that Chris Hemsworth and... <gasps> Oh. Yaya Abdul Mateen II has been cast as well in, in unreleased roles, and this film is set to release in June of 2023. All right. I hope she loses her arm in a very heroic, cool way. Yeah, like that's the thing that's not really ever explained. Like, it, you know, it's not established, like, if she lost her arm, like, in battle or if it was a birth defect, like, if she was born without it. No, that's true. So that's true. Who knows? But yeah, I, I'm very curious to see. I hope it's not like I didn't mind it, but I hope it's not like um, the movie Captain Marvel where Nick Fury gets scratched by that alien in his eye. Oh, yeah. And then it's just, I, if I'm remembering it correctly, he just becomes infected and he loses his eye near the end, but that's all it was. Yep. It's funny. I like it, but I'm like, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of wanted more something, me personally. Yeah. So yeah, if she battles like some ancient atomic T Rex, that'd be like really cool. <laughs> So with the success and cult following Fury Road, I think it's safe to say that Mad Max is going to be around for quite a while. Even if it just even if it's just in the realm of video games and comics, the legacy of the Road Warrior will live on. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And overall Witness is, me. Witness. But overall, that is my outline for Mad Max Fury Road. A high, <laughs> a high octane adventure. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> yeah, like there's just there's so much to this film that I I could talk about it for days. Let's do it. Let's just keep going with this podcast. <laughs> just keep going so we have 480 hours of footage to fucking edit. <laughs> oh, I'm not editing it. If it gets that long, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. So people are like, wow, this episode's uh, 25 minutes. This episode's an hour and a half. Oh, this one, huh, six days. Yeah, one thing I do love about, like, with it winning so many Academy Awards, uh, it broke the record for the most wins for an Australian film. That's not hard to do. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of another Australian film. I mean, there are a lot that, I mean, that we probably just don't pay attention to that are filmed. Because, I mean, if you watch this film, you really yeah. wouldn't know that it's Australia, like an Australian film. Well, yeah, no. Yeah. Not at all. Decided to type in coolest... Australian film ever. <laughs> it popped up. Uh, well, IMDb, a list that is literally the best Australian movies ever. And, oh, there it is. Uh, Chopper in 2000. Chopper tells the intense story of Mark Chopper Reed, a legendary criminal who wrote his autobiography while serving a jail sentence in prison. His book, From the Inside, upon which the film is based, was a bestseller. Oh. Also, I did pull it up. So, nux is a Latin word meaning nut, or <laughs> if translated figuratively, means a thing of no value. Oh, that's a lot worse than nut. But yeah. okay. <laughs> and like, again, like that's just little details that just work for so oh, God. many of the characters. The fifth best Australian movie, Happy Feet. <laughs> 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 oh, God. I love it. 
Uh, well, and like, so I'm talking about like little details, you know, obviously with the bullet farmer, uh, and you know, his other side of that is the, the people they do from Gastown. Yep. If you, uh, cause people have talked about like his nickname and cause if you look at like compared to like so many of the other characters, he's the only obese person and people are like, oh, okay, the people eaters are obviously cannibal. Yeah. But the thing I love about him and like if you look inside his vehicle, there is an albatross. Uh, I think is that what they're called? Like the little bird? no, um, the abacus. Little, abacus. There is albatross. <laughs> what did I? That's a bird. But no, I mean it's it's close enough. Yeah, but yeah, there's one of those like in the back of his car, and obviously like when they pull up to the uh, the stop in the quagmire, he's yeah. talking about the losses and all that. So he's using that to kind of keep track of the loss because he's pretty much like. The person oh, yeah. that and keeps the, count. And, and wasn't the abacus like literally like the first ever created like calendar or some mathematical machine? I it was ever... like the first calculator. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. See, I'm not as bad as you. Albatross, <laughs> abacus, abacus. I can't even do it. Fuck. Yeah, like again, just little details that just work. And he also had his nipples pierced. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that was. And I think when they they came back. Like, hey, they're coming out of the Citadel. It's undefended. Let's go, go, go. I think he was like, and like literally started like rubbing his nipples. Yeah. Like, like fucking, um, oh God, what movie is that? Joe Dirt. Oh, yeah. Or no, not Joe Dirt. I'm sorry. Uh, Waterboy, that one fucking moment oh. where the guy's just rubbing his nipples in the sunlight. But I do love that, like, I love how, like, when he's getting in his car, he's going to have so many war boys help him hoist them in. That's got to be so great. But I do love that, Ugh. uh, Max used like because if you like look, look at his leg, it looks like he has like elephantitis or whatever. Mm-hmm. Max uses that leg to like keep the keep on the gas pedal and then uses him as a body shield and shit. I'm just like, God damn. I'm sure. I'm sure just that leg alone was probably like six hundred pounds. And then also, can we talk about Rictus Erectus? No, we can't. Fucking Morton Joe's son, the big six eleven fucking fucking yeah. pulling out the fucking engine block. Yeah. Oh my I God. wasn't expecting that. That fucking scene. I'm sure nut. Wasn't expecting that either. In like that uh, wreck that they do for like the uh, war or the wagon, like when he fucking jackknifes yeah, the war it. rig, and like that. So apparently that was like one of the last uh, shots they did. Well, I believe so because that would just end the war rig's life. Well, most of like from what I read, most of the film was shot in sequence. Oh. but when it came to that shot, they first talked about well could we because a lot of the a lot of car wrecks in films they have like the remote control yep like style they thought about that they're like no we don't get the kind of control we want they thought maybe miniatures they're like no they're like we could cgi it they're like no and they're george miller's like well let's just put a stunt driver in there so they you know put the to so uh the fucking like what the roll cage kind of thing yeah, yeah, like they yep. pretty much put all that inside it and just fucking wreck the shit out of it like wow. if you watch the behind the scenes like you know he's driving and he fucking jackknifes it and you just think about that you have one fucking take and they have like all this shit in the back so obviously like in the film they cgi a couple of things to like kind of go at the camera for like the cgi like the guitar but like all of that like the instruments and stuff like bouncing off and the drums and everything all of that in the back and like coming at the camera like in real life no way it's so fucking cool i can't believe that wreck was well real to yeah because i even commented myself and i was like i'm like he wrecked that perfectly like it's right in the way of that that little canyon gap and everything I'm yeah like, god damn after this i'll have to try to see if i can find or i mean how we can even just put in the blu-ray and just watch them the behind the scenes because that's true we could i th- 
think it's worth watching. But you, um, you want to watch it again, don't you? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like it's just it's stuff like that. Like it's so perfect. Like it's just insane. I also love uh, you love it so much. Watch Mary. If I could marry a movie, I would. Well, I'm, I'm sure you could somewhere. I also love how. Um, you know, obviously at the very beginning they wreck Max's car, but when he's running like running through the citadel, they're fixing it up. Yeah. I love the scene like when he's uh like hanging on the car or whatever. Um, like later on when Slit I, I actually think he's still in the pasture scene when he pulls his gun out and he's like Oh yeah, that's like, mine. He's like, that's my car. <laughs> I love that, just like that's mine. <laughs> but and just um also talking about um other actors just talked about Nicholas Holt being in X-Men uh, First Class or whatever, playing Beast. His um, Spearman, Slit, who so cleverly named because he's got the fucking Joker smile slit in his face. Mm-hmm. He played the young William Stryker in that movie. Really? Yep. And William Stryker, if people don't know, is like, like as he got older, he's the one that pretty much created Wolverine with the Weapon X program. But yeah, he played... Uh, Young William Striker. So obviously I say you probably didn't recognize him with all the fucking makeup and everything. No, but I'm still I'm still trying to piece it together and I can't. Yeah, like even just like in the, like a lot of his scenes too is so cool. Like when he's just hanging off the side of the car and just fucking like hanging back. Like it's just so neat looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overall, like, God, this movie I could like I, I could gush over it for fucking hours, like I said. Well, I mean, but, you've gushed over for just about two. As it is now. I say this might end up being our longest episode. Mm. But like overall, I'm very happy you enjoyed it. Cause I, I am too. I, I was thinking about that as I came here because I was like, man, what if I like I I I've talked so much love about this movie, like and all this, hyped it up, and we start the episode and Matt's just like, you know what? I didn't enjoy it. What a piece of shit. Because, like, in my head, I'm like, would that be, like, do I just leave on recording? Do I just, like, get up and just slam the door and just no. close the door and be you like, well, this is the end. a job to do. What? Did I make you love it more? No, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was talking about earlier. I was like, man, I'm so glad, like, everything everything that you spoke about behind the scenes just seemed to lift it up higher and higher. Like, there wasn't, like, oh, a tragic accident on set, which, I mean, maybe someone got hurt. Nothing, none of that was there. The only thing bad was literally that he tried to fucking film and all of a sudden the sand just turned to flowers. And he's just like, okay, what the <laughs> and, fuck and is going I, on? I love too that there's something with George Miller because like obviously there's a lot of violence in this movie. What? And like his past movies, there's plenty of violence, but overall. Happy Feet had violence? No. But like <laughs> overall, they're, he's very um, min- like minuscule, like with the amount of like blood and gore that he shows oh yeah because like in this one like obviously like people are getting shot and dying left and right but really the only like true gore is like when the morton joe's mask gets ripped off and like even with nudity he's very subtle with it like you see the one moving in his ass but even then it's just yeah. minuscule so like because like a lot of people say like his films are like exploitations and stuff like that Ex- exploitation movies are very heavily usually like with that like kind of like nudity and violence and stuff like that but like as expo- as like exploitation movies goes his are probably the most tame okay i mean i no real reason for them to be over the top no not at all but yeah it just it's such a beautiful film like and like i said like it works so well for like a film with like with like hardly any narrative it's almost like a silent film in a way with just 
like if because mm. I mean, there's not a whole lot of dialogue. I, I know he did release a like a silent film version too that just goes along like with just the soundtrack. Really, I kind of want to watch it just to see how it oh. is because I feel like even with just the soundtrack, it would work really well. Hell, that's practically what the movie A Quiet Place is like, silent film. Yeah, and it works really well. Oh, it does. I'm excited for the new one. I mean, it's so weird being in the movie theater say, watching A Quiet Place, when there's absolutely no sound and you're just listening to silence in this huge fucking room. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, oh, God, I don't like this. Somebody hurry. Crinkle your candy bag or something. God. So I pulled up a little thing just to kind of talk about the uh, the people eater and some of the characters. So, yeah, the people eater is a... One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. <laughs> one eye. I'm sorry. So the people eater is a businessman who is the mayor of Gastown. Inside of his limousine is an abacus for keeping records of lost gas blood soldiers his steering wheel is adorned with human hair because he is a known cannibal this may be he why maybe why he is a beast no <laughs> no twinkie survived the apocalypse that's what it is oh is it yeah ask george at him on twitter He'll tell you. Um, one thing I do want to add too. So in the scene, like towards the beginning, and like she kind of shows up a few times, but like the little girl that like flashes in Max's mind. Yeah. A lot of people have thought that that was his kid. Yep. But it's actually not. So before the, I think it was actually a little bit after the film released. I think they wanted to release it before, but it ended up happening after. They released kind of a prequel comic. So she is actually. Um, I forget her name, but she's a little girl that Max saves um, early on, but she ends up being run down by the buzzard, like the buzzard clan. And I mean, a lot of the people that Max has saved throughout the time, he ends up dying and he kind of feels responsible for it. Sometimes he is. That's why like in that scene, there's multiple people kind of screaming at him and you know, you let us die and all that. I honestly forgot about that whole fucking thing. So you just brought it up like, Oh yeah, that did happen throughout the entire movie. And if you think about it, he even like kind of mentions it at the very beginning when, uh, he's standing there like looking over the desert when he's saying his line, you know, I'm the the man who runs from the, both the living and the dead. And then I, I love that. Like you hear like the first mutters of the voices and he's just like, Oh, here come the voices. Like he's fucking insane, <laughs> but that's but that story is out there though. Yeah, it is in the comics. Yep, kind of like um, Godzilla. If you want to know a little bit more, how Monarch started and and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's in comics before even the first Godzilla in twenty fourteen came out. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was even uh, I know Skull Island as well. There yep. was uh, like one of the characters, like Sun, went and investigated Skull Island and stuff like that. But yeah, as far as Mad Max Free Road goes like, like I said, there's just there's not enough words to say how much I love this movie and just it's such a fun film. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad I liked it. I'm too. glad that we did this episode. Like when I started this podcast, this is one of the movies that I was like, I know we're gonna be talking about it at some point. I'll get to my movie eventually. But yeah, maybe. I a movie of mine that I actually liked. When I was a lot younger, so who knows if I watched it now, I might absolutely hate it. It was called Deep Rising. Did you ever hear about that at all? No. Basically, it's like this big cruise ship, this luxurious cruise ship, and these people are having a great time. And all of a sudden, there's like, oh, God, like some thieves or so, some fucking gang, military gang is like trying to like get on the boat and like steal the riches, but then all of a sudden... There's a sea monster 
that appears like inside the boat. It's really fucked up. So I thought, you know what? I'll just do a quick little Google search and, and see what it has to say for it. 6.1 on IMDb, 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and my favorite is that its budget was $45 million and its box office was 11.2. Oof. <laughs> Oof is right, dude. It made a fourth of it. That's real. Oh, yeah. It's probably an absolutely horrible movie. But, but yeah. that's not not what this podcast is about. <laughs> hopefully, this one right now. Yeah, hopefully here soon we'll get more news on the future of the oh. Mad Max films from George Miller. I can't wait to see what he does with the Furiosa films or just even the ongoing sequels that he does. Um, of course, any news happens, we'll do a discussion on the trailers or anything about it. But yeah, as far as uh, our episode on Mad Max Fury Road goes, I think that just about does it. Yeah, I think it does it for me. I learned quite a lot, and I enjoyed the movie. Good. What more could I possibly ask for? Very, very happy. Now, as far as our next few episodes, which I've got, I'm also very excited about because I love the series. The next couple episodes, next, well, I guess, yeah, I guess four episodes. I don't until so the the next three episodes are going to be um, similar to all of our past episodes, where it's like deep dives in it. We're going to be talking about the Evil Dead series, Evil Dead One. Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, and then Army of Darkness. And then the fourth episode, we're going to be talking about the Evil Dead reboot. Now, I don't know, because I haven't gotten that far into my research, I don't know if there's a ton of information out there to make like a full episode. So I don't know if it's going to be like a deep dive episode or if it might end up being just a discussion episode. Okay. Uh, it just kind of depends on what all I can find. I mean, I'm going to try to find as much as I can, but just to kind of get you guys an idea of what to look for. Yeah, talk about Evil Dead and how Sam Raimi went from being just a couple a movie that a couple college kids made to fucking a cult classic. A cult classic and a fucking staple in the horror genre has gone on to make video games, a TV series, uh which I we'll talk a little bit about the TV series and stuff like that in the upcoming game that's coming out. It just I'm excited. Hell yeah. Well, it seems like you have your work cut out for you. I do, and I may have already started on it. Well, <laughs> we won't last too much longer, and you can get back to that, Josh. Yes. And flesh it out. So if you guys want to hit us up for uh, any reason, if you have some cool horror movies, you know, action movies like Mad Max and mine that you'd like to send our way and be like, hey, you guys should totally like discuss this and find out something. Or if you have some cool kind of behind-the-scenes you know, little knowledge that we didn't find ourselves and want us to know, you can hit us up on TDC Pod Official on Twitter, uh, that I Sectors Cut on Facebook and Instagram. You can always hit us up at the email. That I sectors cut podcast at gmail.com. That'd probably be your best bet. But yeah, if give us a follow, you know, rate and review the podcast if you can. If you want to see us grow and grow and grow and grow, then that would be the best way to do it. And um, what does Facebook now do? Recommend? Yeah, recommendations. Re recommendations on podcasts and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, if you en are enjoying what you are hearing and you want to enjoy more, Please, please do so. Yeah, let us know. Yeah. But yeah, with that, I have been Josh. And I have been Matthew. And we'll see you next time. Stay scary. Bye. 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 Was that scary? Bye. It's terrifying because of you. <laughs> <laughs>